Hello, my name is Sama Russell, and you're listening to episode 52 of The Place of Sound. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. And for those of you who have been following along through the past few episodes of the show, welcome back. For those of you who happen to be listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space or the social geography using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history-style interviews, that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to communicate the personal and social significance of a given place, And we typically end the episode with a short documentary-style piece that explores the place-based identity of the producer. The aim with these particular projects is to allow the producer to think about the places that made them who they are today. However, in this episode, we're spicing things up a bit. Quite literally. While we'll still be immersing ourselves in the rich realm of sound and listening, this episode is all about the delicious theme of food and cooking. As we listen, you'll recognize that every project we're about to unveil is intertwined with the wonderful world of culinary delights. Whether it's the sizzling symphony of oil in a hot pan or the aromatic scents that whisk us away on a nostalgic journey, Food has an incredible ability to evoke memories of home that linger in our hearts forever. The projects that we will listen to today are a selection of audio portraits and soundscape compositions. As always, these thought-provoking pieces were crafted by talented students in the Communication and Media Studies program here at Carleton University. And they're designed to tackle a fundamental question. What does it mean to listen? To kick things off, we're going to listen to Kit Chotley's soundscape composition titled Consume by Remembering. Kit, over to you. It's a snowy February day in Ottawa, and I've just received an email from my father. I open it, and inside is a short, typed-up document. It reads, Chicken thighs, boneless, 13 to 15. White onions, large, 3. Garlic cloves, 7. Tomatoes, vine, pack of 4. This is my dad's personal recipe for chicken paprikash, a comforting meal we cook together every Christmas. Although it wasn't through an email, dad received the recipe in a similar way from his mother. She immigrated to Canada as a refugee during the Hungarian Revolution in 1956, and although she left her family behind in Hungary, this recipe is one thing that came with her. This story focuses on sound to capture the way this specific recipe has traveled across borders and through time and its interactions with other places, beings, and things in this journey. It has moved from my grandmother's kitchen in Hungary to her kitchen in Montreal, to my father's in Trenton, and now to my own in Ottawa. The increased globalization of agriculture has transformed it from a locally sourced specialty to a meal with ingredients that come from all around the world. This recipe is an audio tour guide across time and space that, upon closer examination, reveals some of the intricate interweavings of our globalized world. My first stop on this tour is my local grocer. I grab a cart and make my way through the store, a loud, crowded place mediated by overly happy pop music. Shamefully, this grocer is the multinational conglomerate Walmart, a retail chain known for its anti-union policies 
unfair foreign product sourcing, and poor working conditions. But it's on my bus route and it's in my price range. I collect the ingredients listed in the email. Chicken from Canada, white onions from the United States, garlic from China, vine tomatoes and red peppers from Mexico. They have all traveled a long way to congregate here, some from overseas and across large land masses. I think about the water, sunlight, and manual labor required to grow this produce, and the cargo trucks and ships required to bring them to Ottawa. Once home in my kitchen, I record the process of organizing my ingredients. I'm hyper aware of the sounds they make and where they come from. Mostly plastic bags, styrofoam, cellophane, and other non-biodegradable packaging. They're noisy. Their pollution of my cooking soundscape mirrors the pollution of our environment. I throw them in the garbage to get them out of my way, but I know that everlasting plastic can only be moved out of the way and into someone else's and never really removed. I think of the Canada-Philippines waste dispute that took place over the past five years, where the Philippine president nearly declared war on Canada for us shipping our garbage to their shores. The garbage has since shipped back at the cost of over a million dollars. I take my garbage out through my apartment's garbage chute. I'm not sure where it ends up. I turn to my dad's recipe. He writes, mince onion and garlic in food processor. I don't own a food processor, so I do my best to chop the onion and garlic by hand. I imagine that this is what my grandmother did back in the day. Unlike my dad's food processor, my grandmother's chopping probably sounded the exact same as what I'm doing now. The transformation of this recipe is not linear, but spiraling, transforming away from its first iteration and then coming back in some aspects. I simmer the red pepper and tomatoes with the onion and garlic. While my dad received this recipe from his mom, he has also combined it with other versions he's found online over the years. Just like the network of transportation, infrastructure, and business management that brought all the ingredients together from around the world, this recipe is also influenced by people worldwide, connected by online networks of information. It's also influenced by changes in local nodes of these networks too. Each year, my dad adjusts the recipe in an effort to make it better than the last. The date stamp on the recipe he shares with me reads, updated the 25th of December, 2019. A key change is reflected in the recipe's call for gluten-free flour, an adjustment my father made for my celiac partner who joined us for Christmas this past year. The movement of this recipe from a Hungarian context in the 1940s and 50s to a Canadian one in 2020 has exposed it to the influence of networks of family, nationality, technology, and global agriculture and industry. After a few hours of cooking, my chicken paprikash is complete. It doesn't taste exactly like my dad's version, but it's pretty close and I like it all the same. Maybe the change is because of my own additions to the recipe. My dad's recipe finishes with an instruction marked by his dry humor. Consume by remembering to savor the delicious flavors of the cooked from scratch sauce and delightful tenderness of the chicken. Perhaps I'll send him back my own version. It might read, Consume by remembering to savor the connections between Hungarian Revolution, Mexican farmers, cargo ships, atemporal plastic, online communication, and family transformation in the delicious flavors of cooked from scratch sauce and delightful tenderness of the chicken. Next up, we have Emma Poole's soundscape composition titled Food That's Good for the Soul. Emma? Hello. Good evening to whoever is listening. My name is Emma Poole, and I want to welcome you to my second project for my digital production class. This is my soundscape composition, where I attempt to guide your ears through my most beloved hobby, cooking. Cooking is a newfound passion of mine, and I hope that this composition will communicate that. 
There is nothing my ears like more than the sound of a good meal. The crackling of the pan. The bubbling of boiling water. and the chopping of vegetables. My food journey has been a long one, so let's talk about it while I make a meal for my roommates. Today, I'm making an almond-crusted chicken and veggies, but not before I brew myself a nice cup of tea. Growing up, food wasn't a big part of my childhood landscape. My mom did most of the cooking because I think she thought that it was her place and duty as a mother, but possibly also because all my dad could make were cheese sandwiches. And by cheese sandwiches, I'm not talking grilled cheese. I'm talking plain old mozzarella cheese between two slices of white bread. Although I'm grateful that my mom and dad tried their best to keep us nourished, their lack of passion or interest in the art definitely made itself known on eating their food. When I look back on my life now, I think my passion of food has always been there. My favorite thing to do was play restaurant, a game where I would steal my mom's pantry items and mix them with whatever I could forage outside. And of course, my number one customer was always my younger sister. Flashing forward now to university, when I left home, I wasn't anticipating the discovery of what was, and what has, become such a deeply rooted passion. My parents were generous enough to pay for my meal plan on campus, and although everyone has had their qualms with the calf, it was where I began to open my palate to new flavors which made my impression of food go from black and white to technicolor in such a short period of time. All of a sudden now, I'm 21 years old in my fourth year of university, and we've all battened down the hatches shielding ourselves from the threatening virus that's wreaking havoc on our fellow humans. For me, it was an experience that rocked me to my core and exposed me to some of the darkest moments that I could never have even anticipated. I needed something to do to distract me from the unfortunate events that burdened my brain on a daily basis. I started cooking. It was fulfilling to do something with my hands and turn my brain off while creating something good for the soul. I knew there was something about cooking that appealed to me, 
I didn't know what it was then, but I do now. Along with the much-needed distraction, it gave me a sense of competence that I had never had before. I had been a terrible student, athlete, artist, and to be honest, I felt the frustrations of watching my friends excel at everything while I struggled with everything. When I started cooking daily, it lent my life a purpose that it so desperately needed at the time, and still to this day. It has turned into a hobby that I will take with me for the rest of my life, and I guess at the end of the day, I'm thankful for the space that let me explore this hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice bite. That's good. The next soundscape composition we have for this episode is by Ying Yang He. It's titled Hot Pot Day at My Brother's House. Sun is a powerful medium. It can travel through spaces. In this audio, I'm going to introduce my space traveling journey with a unique sound that I heard in my brother's house. It is the boiling sound of a hot pot. Even if one day a familiar space was no longer there, I could still travel to that space by encountering this sound. Both the sound and the space always exist somewhere in my heart. Today is Sunday. As usual, I'm driving to my brother's house for a hot pot dinner. My brother is my only family member who lives in Ottawa. I go to his house for a small family reunion on almost every Sunday. Today is a little different than before because my brother just found a new job in Montreal. He called me to celebrate together. When I enter the house, my brother is preparing food. We don't talk a lot when we are together, but the time spending with my brother always makes me relaxed and comfortable. Preparing a hot pot dinner is complicated. We need to wash a lot of vegetables. We also need to cut green onion, coriander, and garlic. They are essential for hot pot. The sound of making chili oil is also very relaxing. After you put hot oil on the chili, you get this sound. The hot pot is finally ready. We have lamb, veggies, tofu, and noodles. I can hardly use words to express how delicious it is. I love the boiling sound of the hot pot. This sound reminds me of the hot pot restaurant that I used to go to with my parents in Beijing. It takes me back to those nights when snow was drifting outside and fog was hanging from the windows but inside was full of worms. My brother's house is a space that connects me to my hometown and my childhood memory.
My brother will be leaving Ottawa soon. Every Sunday's hop hop day could soon cease. This space has brought me a lot of happiness and warmth over these years. I'm grateful for that. However, this won't be my last goodbye to that space. Just like how I was reminded of my hometown in my brother's house. In the future, there might be a certain environment that can bring me back to those happy hot pot days with my brother in his house. Those spaces that have certain meanings in my life will never leave me. Instead, they always exist somewhere in my heart. Now we'll listen to the final soundscape composition for this episode before we move on to the audio portraits. This is Wake Up and Savor the Scramble by Nicole Ganado. Hi, my name is Nicole Ganado, and I'm a fourth-year communications and media studies student here in Carleton. In this soundscape, I will be talking about my relationship with food and cooking and how it has grown over time. I've always loved food. I grew up in a house filled with amazing Filipino dishes made by my mother and father and was always adventurous in trying new things, even as a young child. When COVID-19 and quarantine brought the world to a standstill, my relationship with food changed. In the early months of quarantine, I often found it difficult to eat due to the anxiety I had about the world. But as time went on, I realized that I could use this time to really take care of myself and enjoy the things that I haven't gotten to do in a while, like cooking. This soundscape will provide you with a glimpse of how I start my days and use this time to take care of myself. As of late, I've been making more of an effort to cook, or at least prepare myself a couple meals a day since school has started, as opposed to ordering it. My favorite meal to make during the week as of late has been a simple scramble of eggs, spinach, and caramelized onions for breakfast with tea or coffee to accompany it. I find that taking the time to make myself breakfast and start my day has been extremely grounding in these times and helps me stay present. I've turned my breakfast into a morning routine of sorts filled with sounds of the kitchen in an effort to usher the rest of my day in in a positive way. In the kitchen, I grab all of my ingredients. One small onion, the container of baby spinach, and two eggs from the fridge. I first set up my pan with some olive oil and begin to heat it while I chow my onions. I aim for small and somewhat even pieces so they all cook properly. Once that is done, I put the onions in the pan and let them sit to get some color, and I leave them for a couple minutes to cook while I work on chopping the spinach and beating the eggs. The onions take the most time to cook as they need to be cooked slowly in order to caramelize properly. Though this process may be time consuming, I find it relaxing since I have a lot more time to cook now that I'm home. After the onions have had a bit of time to cook, I add a bit of water and stir them around. Then, I add the spinach and begin to cook it down while the onions rest on the other side of the pan. Once the spinach is cooked through to my liking, I mix them together and finally add my bean eggs into the pan with them. After the eggs are added, the process is fairly quick as the eggs cook quickly. Finally, once my scramble is done cooking, I begin to put away my ingredients into their respective cabinets and sections in the fridge. After I finally clean the kitchen and return it to the state it was in before, I sit and enjoy the product of my time and effort and I'm thankful for taking the time to nourish myself before starting the day. When I take the time to enjoy my breakfast, I often think about the things I need to do during the day, like class and work if I have it that day. I make it a priority at the start of my day to at least sit down and eat just in case I get caught up in whatever I'm doing later. 
Though making breakfast might seem like such a small thing to want to savor, I think it's important to remember that these little moments that you take for yourself are what make life great. Not only are you taking the time to nourish yourself with a healthy breakfast, but you're also taking that time and energy used into making your dish and investing it back into yourself. Though it might not be as extravagant as the brunches you would go to or the family dinners you would participate in, I think the food that you make for yourself always tastes a little better because of the effort you put in. These little moments worthy of savoring come in many forms. Whether it be a walk through the park or taking the time to do something you love, it's important to recognize them. Without these moments, life would be completely different and lacking in joy. Overall, it pays off to wake up and savor the scramble. Now, moving on to the audio portraits for this episode. First up, we got Home Cooked by Morgan Jones. Hey everyone, my name is Morgan Jones. I'm a fourth year student at Carleton University in the Communications and Media Studies Honors Program. Uh, so for this audio portrait project, I was fortunate enough to speak with Malcolm Taylor about his concept of home capturing the idea that home is not just a physical dwelling or the place you sleep, but it's also a memory, a feeling, and in his case, the smell of his Vavos Portuguese shrimp. Check it out. I remember walking into my Vavos house when I was younger, and every time I would go over to her house, there would always be this distinct smell that I could never really figure out what it was or where it was coming from. Until I got a little bit older and I realized that that smell was pimenta moida, which is like a Portuguese marinade. So I went over with my family one night and uh, it was a special occasion. We were having family up from Hamilton. And in Portuguese culture, it's sort of inherent that when you all get together, you do have a meal and you have conversation. And so my vovó was cooking Portuguese shrimp for me because she knew that it was my favorite. And I remember when the, when the shrimp was put out onto the dinner table, I was so infatuated by the smell that I ate 13 shrimp and I remember that I ended up getting a stomach ache. And so the smell of the shrimp and hearing my family speak Portuguese to one another and, and the taste of the Portuguese food, it just felt like a really, a really happy night and it just felt really nice to be surrounded by family. So fast forward to about third year university. I was at Walmart and I saw that shrimp had gone on sale. So I picked some up, not really thinking much of it, until I got home and I saw that I had pimenta moida in the fridge. So I decided I would cook up Portuguese shrimp for dinner. And it wasn't really until I started to fry the onions and then melt the butter into it and, and add that pimenta moida paste in, in the shrimp, when it all came together in the pot, the aroma that I smelled definitely brought me back to feeling that sense of nostalgia when I was sitting around my grandma's dinner table. And even though I can't really be with her now, when I cook that shrimp, it gives me a sense of uh, love and sort of security and safety of being around my family. It's just a really nice feeling. This is the final project of the episode titled My Italian Family in Toronto by Ying Jun Lu. What does home mean to you? Where, when, and why do you feel at home? For me, home is far away. It could be a feeling when I'm staying with my friends. It also could be the taste and flavor for my hometown. Hello guys, here's Angel in Ottawa. Today we're so honored to invite my homestay grandma, Yolanda DeMarco, to be my interviewee. Let's enjoy her chat about home in her perspective. Where does she from 
what is the basic and impressive home mean to her? My name is Yolanda DeMarco. My maiden name is Lepera. I um, come from Aprigliano in Italy. And we came in 1953 with my mother, two sisters and a brother. Coming, coming to uh, Canada, it was a wonderful thing to do for us because uh, my grandparents were here already. My grandfather actually came in 1927. And so he actually built a, a nice, well, kind of a community where we all met in Sudbury. I went to school to Sudbury, and then I met John, and we have our own family. And what's really wonderful now is that we have five great-grandchildren, and we get together, we, they come over, we have our Easter cookies, which is our tradition. We started with when Sheila and Richard were about three years old. And we're still doing this tradition, which is very, very important to us. And then at Christmas time, they come over beforehand. We um, make pasta or lasagna. Let me tell you about um, the lasagna we make. The lasagna is a very delicious pasta dish. You need, um, of course, we make our own pasta, which is only eggs and flour and just a bit of water. And you need a, you can do it by hand or you can use a, a machine. The children come over, the, especially the grandchildren, they come over and they all help turning the, the, the handle so we can make the pasta. And then we, make, we have to make the tomato sauce. You need mozzarella cheese. So uh, you, you put it all together, uh, which it takes a good day to make it all, to make, to make it from the start to the end. And then when, uh, during the at Christmas time, of course, we, um, we all share and we eat and everybody comes over. And not only do we make lasagna, we make other foods, like um, other meats. But that was the one tr tradition which um, uh, the family always did. Another one is Easter. At Easter time, we make uh, the Easter cookies. That's actually from John's hometown. He has um, a special little... Um, they make the cookie dough, but also when afterwards everybody's here making all kinds of designs, they try to make um, a little rabbits, a little baskets, a little eggs, and anything they can think of. We're all in the kitchen. We're all making fun of each other. We're all enjoying, you know, the uh, the fun of of doing playing with the dough and playing with the kids and everything else. So it's really wonderful, a wonderful time to be together. And, um, and enjoy the whole, the whole family because it's really wonderful to have a family that you um, stay with and uh, they come and visit you and you love them. And when you don't see them, you miss them. So right now they're all much older. There's some working. Most of them are working. Some are school, but they're all far away. And so when they come home, it's a very good feeling to have them at home again and have them a big meal because they enjoy coming to the nonis, nonis, the grandparents in Italian, and enjoyed staying with us. And we all get together again, and uh, it is a wonderful time we spend with the whole family. 
thank you to the Carleton students, who are part-time chefs, for contributing their projects to this special cooking episode. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. Have you ever considered the stories and memories that linger in the sounds of your kitchen? Take a moment to reflect on the role of food in your life and the way its sounds and aromas shape your sense of home. Lastly, if you're interested in checking out more, have a look at theplaceofsound.ca, where you're not only able to hear more audio media, but in some cases, to see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with it. There's also a featured work section on the site's blog, where you can access some notable individual projects, and in the classes section, you can have a look at some of the work produced in each of the previous semesters. But in the meantime, keep your ear out for upcoming episodes of the show, which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30pm, and are available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening to The Place of Sound.